Thank you, ladies. What an amazing truth as we head into the Easter week. I pray that you're in a way, in a sense, preparing your heart. Uh, it's just not another date in the calendar, but it is something we treasure. Um, I was saying in our Sunday school class this morning that uh, every time we take the Lord's Supper, I think of the day I got saved, and uh, I think of the blood that was shed on my behalf. And if not for that, where would I, where would I be? So um, I, I pray you'd be thinking about the week ahead, be, keep praying for the programs on Easter Sunday, and that God would do an amazing work, uh, firstly in your life and also anyone who would choose to come uh, that the Lord would bring into our midst. Tonight I'm going to share a few thoughts with you from Psalm 23. It's, it's a wonderful psalm, uh, often read at funerals, but uh, dare I say, it's a psalm that should be considered well before your place in a casket. Because there are many, many, many blessings that you can have that the Lord intends you to have and not to only have this read when you are when you are unable to even respond to the reading of this psalm. So before we start, let's uh, just ask the Lord to bless tonight and uh, uh, minister to us in whatever way He would, and um, yeah, and uh, do something in our hearts. Father, we thank you this evening for these dear folk who've turned up. Lord, no doubt, uh, just wanting one more glimpse into your precious word, and Lord, that something might stir them, something that they could hold on to, Lord, to help them through this life's journey. I pray, Lord, as we look through this psalm, that you would enable that to happen, and Lord, uh, uh, be very present with us and enrich every person here. And Lord, I pray that you bless them in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'd like to title tonight's message, The Places of Psalm 23. And uh, you read the psalm, there are a number of places that are enunciated in this psalm. And I reflected on this and I thought that life indeed is a journey and we go from place to place on life's journey and we find ourselves sometimes quite even not of our making in places that you don't want to be. And uh, it's imp important to know how you navigate through those circumstances in life. And this wonderful psalm given to us by uh, the shepherd David, um, who wrote it, I believe, when he was uh, largely tending sheep uh, out in the field before he was called to be the mighty king of Israel. But he, he learned so many lessons while he look, uh, looked after the sheep. And uh, he's writing this very much from a sheep perspective, not from a shepherd perspective. And he tells us how much... Um, the sheep need a shepherd. And uh, this great shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, as verse 1 says, 
is a wonderful promise that we can hold on to for any situation in our life's journey. It's a personal statement which says the Lord is not a shepherd, but is my personal shepherd. I as a sheep who tend to go astray, I as a sheep who has many needs, I as a sheep who get attacked by all kinds of stuff out there, animals and all kinds of things, I'm so glad that I have a shepherd. And, the, uh, and, the, and King David, or David when he wrote this, he is writing in great appreciation of the fact that he has the Lord as his shepherd. And in this psalm, he, you, he, he starts, to, starts by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's an amazing promise or statement that he would make, that when the Lord is in control of your life, then you can confidently say, I shall not want. It doesn't say you will not have trouble. It does not say that you will not go hungry. It does not say that you will not have any sickness that may befall you. But it's simply he's saying, I shall not want. The Lord himself will be your portion in those times. He will come into those situations and will uplift you and strengthen and garrison your life that you could never experience if you didn't have those wants in your life. I guess if I passed a microphone around this evening and told you to testify of the times when you were in desperate situations, how just by trusting God that God just upheld you and kept you and, and made you to come through that situation, I think every one of you will have some testimony to say about how God looked after you. And the psalmist is saying, the Lord is my shepherd, and because he is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's not about having the things of the world, but having the, uh, the presence of God in your life. And uh, he's a God who has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. In Psalm 73 and verse 28, the psalmist again says, it is good for me to draw near to God. It is good for me to draw near to God. And sadly, a lot of people, when they fall into trouble, their first tendency is to move away from God. And uh, that's the worst thing you can do, because when things go wrong, you're better to say, like with the psalmist, it is good for me. It'll do me good to draw near unto God. Isaiah 55 and verse 6 says this, Call upon him while he is near. Call upon him. When is the last time you called upon God? When is the last time you said, Lord, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a deep strait here. I need your help. Call upon him while he is near. And when, when God has promised to be our shepherd, we'll be... Uh, uh, we'll be very, very remiss of us not to call on him when he is near. So he, the picture that is painted to us in this first verse is that God 
is a caring God. And the first place we see is a place close to God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It is true when we are close to God. So question, how close are you to God tonight? We sometimes uh, think about this and say, Lord, you know, when things are going well in our life, uh, we let God sort of get a bit distant and we navigate our own lives. But we have to ask God to be our shepherd every day, daily, minute by minute, so that his presence will fill our lives and we can fulfill his will the way he wants us to do. Verse 2 says this, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. The second place he takes you to is a place where you can lay down, where you can have rest. Tired sheep sometimes need to sit down. If not, they, are, uh, they, they, are, they become too disoriented and they might tend to just go off in all kinds of directions. And a good shepherd will make his sheep sit down. Where does he get them to sit down? Not on rocky ground, but by green pastures. And these green pastures, and I don't know if any of you have been to Israel. I certainly haven't, and Brother Danny, you may have. But uh, if you look across the valley there, the terrain is largely arid. It's, they, they, it's not, you know, sort of lush, full of greenery. And these green pastures actually refer to little twigs of growth that come out of the ground from the dew that the night provides or the early morning provides. And the shepherd knows where these little sprigs of grass are. And he, he would take these sheep where there is a clump of these beautiful, luscious, little green shoots that come out of the ground. Our shepherd is so caring that he will take us to the place where you can feed on fresh green pastures. He takes you to green pastures so that you can lay down. How's your Christian life been? Full of excitement, full of running around? When is the last time we sat down at the feet of Jesus. When is the last time we did a Mary and instead of the Martha and said, it's more needful for me to sit at the feet of Jesus and to look into his glorious face, look at the wonderful food he's going to provide me and be strengthened for the day as you lay down in those green pastures. Lying down offers his contentment and his peace. You're no longer running around trying to find solutions to the problems of life. You say, Lord, I lay it at your feet. I'm happy to feed on what you give me, and I know you're going to take care of everything. Often when we are faced with a difficult situation, we pray about it, we give it into God's hands, and before the day is out, what we've done is we've taken it back into our hands. Why is that? Because God's not quick enough. You know, in this society where 
QR codes are going to govern our lives, it's not quick enough. And so we take the burden back. The burden that God said, give me, what do we do? We take it back on our shoulders. And then we sort of go like that. Oh, life is tough. He leadeth me beside, uh, he, 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 beside green pastures so that you can lay down and find rest. Philippians 4.19 says, says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Are you enjoying the riches of Christ Jesus? He leads me beside the still waters. And these still waters, now sheep do not like deep waters. They, 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 they will not drink. They, they like shallow waters. So there were these little rivulets that would flow down the valley. And they are crystal clear. So the sheep could see and sort of work out there is no danger in this. I can actually put my mouth into this little rivulet and start to drink. And he leads me beside these still waters. Running waters sometimes can be very dangerous and uh, not enable the sheep to drink. It's a shallow trickle of gently flowing water. It's a God who leads. It's a pure, clear water of the word that it reminds us of to quench us of our deepest thirst. We, slow, we, we need to slow down sometime to see God's reflection in the word, in these still waters. And um, in, the, in that quietness, we experience his love so that we can then take our next step forward, having eaten of the beautiful, fresh, green pastures and having taken a deep drink of these still waters. He said to the Samaritan woman, did he not, you know, you're pulling water that you can drink enough of it, but you'll get thirsty. But I can give you something that you'll never, if you drink of it, you'll never thirst again. And, uh, you know, we, we, our God is a God who can provide that living water. What waters are you drinking from? Jeremiah said to the people of his day, you have committed two sins, he said. You're drinking from cisterns that are broken, that are spewing out dirty water. What happened to the pure water that God gave, us, gave you? And so at what fountains are you drinking tonight? Is it the pure fountain? Is the Lord your shepherd? Is he leading you? The Lord hasn't led you to that. Be careful what you drink. And then having been refreshed, gone to these pastures, uh, having tasted his beautiful water, the psalmist says, he restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know the picture of God you get there is that he is a restorer of my soul. All of us get into trouble from time to time. All of us make mistakes. All of us have done some stupid thing. But you know, our God is a restorer. He wants to bring you back to his side. He's not a condemning God, but he is a God who would draw you with his love and bring you back to himself. 
Also notice he leads us in the paths of righteousness. Today righteousness has been devalued. People call sin by other, na other names. And uh, to, to live, live a righteous lifestyle is almost unheard of. Do your best, they say. This is a tough gig. Do your best and uh, God will surely accept you. Now these are lies of the devil that are infiltrating the church today. The Bible clearly says he leads me in the paths of not compromise, not doubt, not lies, but in the paths of what? Righteousness. Righteousness being measured by God's own righteousness. He said, be holy as I am holy. I was one day counseling someone and he, he said, oh, oh, I don't do the bad things that that guy does. I said, I'm not interested in that guy. I, I said, you compare yourself to what God would want you to do. And immediately the argument stopped. Be holy as I'm holy. Aren't you glad scripture is so point blank and direct? It does not... It does not mince words. It just says, that's the standard, guys. And that's why, as Brother Jim said this morning, it's impossible sometimes to live the Christian life without God's help, without the Spirit of God prompting you and leading you. And you've got to keep daily accounts with God. Am I on the path of righteousness? And, um, you know, if, you, if you've got a, the equivalent of a navigation system that most cars have in your spiritual life you probably find it times that you're you're lost make a turn it says go back wrong turn wrong road so measure yourself with the word of god and make sure that you're walking in the path that god wants you to walk so that's another place he takes you the path of righteousness. If you want to read Psalm 1, it talks about that as well, about um, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of God, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So thank God he is a restorer of my soul. Uh, Psalm 32 verse 8 he says I will instruct you I'll teach you I will counsel you with my eye there are paths that if we take can lead us to destruction but if you stay on the path of righteousness that God has shown you then God will be with you he will help you he will navigate with you the journey of life treasure that treasure that what, how God will lead you. And then verse 4, he says, uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So the next place we find in the Psalms is the valley. And this valley is called the valley of the shadow of death. These are the tough times the trials, the tribulations, the gloom, the darkness, the uncertainty, the isolation that sometimes hit us 
as we walk and journey through life. These valleys that the psalmist talks about often experience the absence of the sun, and that's why it was dark. The huge mountains would shade off and these dark clouds would come over and you could not see the sun. We will all have to walk through some of these valleys in our life from time to time. No man is exempt from suffering. We would all need to say to the Lord, Lord, I, I want you to be my shepherd, particularly during these tough times. I want you to be my guide, my comfort during these times. But remember that we can walk through it. One of the things that this psalm tells us is that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Keep walking through the valley. Do not stop. God is with you. Keep walking. Because if you keep walking, eventually the sun will break out again and you'll come out of this valley and your trials, your tribulations will be over and, uh, and God, will, God will bring you into this place where the sun would, sh would shine. God is ever with us. The psalmist says, for thou art with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but thou art with me. What great comfort that is. When you face difficulty, when you face financial hardship, when you're face facing ruin, you can say, God is with me. When you face uh, a termination of a job and I, I you know, recently I went through a situation in, in my workplace uh, where plans were underfoot to get rid of me. But, um, and the amazing thing about that was that I didn't even know about it because I would have stressed out big time had I known about it. I would have taken every measure I could to invalidate this force against me. So what did God do? He completely blinded me from all of that so that I could see his power working through that situation. And I won't tell you the whole story, but God just delivered miraculously uh, through that thing. But because he was with me through that valley. And I kept walking, trusting God to do what only he can do. The psalmist says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, the rod and the staff were implements that the shepherd used, often for direction, for correction, for support. Uh, you know, the staff has a, has a crook and often uh, the sheep would fall into ditches and into places and the shepherd would then put that staff and would drag back that sheep from danger. And then he would enfold them in his arms to give comfort. And that's our shepherd. He will, and, and the psalmist says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod was also used to attack the vicious wolves which would prey on the sheep that were in the pasture. 
And so he would use the rod to strike those animals, the wild animals which would come looking for these sheep. What a comfort it is that we know that God is with us in our darkest moments, in our troubling times, when all our friends may have abandoned us, God is still with us. And he will never forsake us or leave us. You know, Caleb is an interesting study. You study the story of the Israelites out of Egypt. This guy had a great vision. He said, Lord, I want that mountain. We sing that song, don't we? Give me that mountain. I want that mountain. He set his eyes on where he wanted right at the start. And he was ready to go. But because of the disobedience of the rest of them, God constrained them to wander through the desert for 40 years. They should have reached their destination in 18 months, but another 38 odd years was added because of the disobedience of the children of Israel. But guess what? Caleb didn't give up on his dream. The very first thing he tells Moses after he comes back is, I want that mountain. Remember, I told you, I want that mountain. You know, through that trial of walking through the desert for 38 years, facing enemy after enemy, people who hated the nation of Israel, people who would attack the nation of Israel, he just kept trusting God. He said, I want that mountain. God has a purpose for me, and I want that to be fulfilled in my life. How many people surrender what God has for you by taking either a wrong path or giving up when you shouldn't have given up? Keep trusting God. He that has begun a good work in you, the Bible says, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's a promise that God gives. It's not a man-made promise. God says he will complete it. So our job is to keep trusting God and say, God, I, I don't understand this valley at the moment. I don't understand the absence of the sun. I don't understand all this rocky terrain that I've got to walk through. But God, I'm going to keep trusting you. Because you, your rod and your staff will comfort me. Your word will comfort me. Your uh, Holy Spirit will stir me up to keep going. And like Caleb, you can say, Lord, I persevered through, for him it was 40 years. And he was then an 80-year-old man and he was still ready to fight the giants. I'd be in a wheelchair sort of looking at the scene, but uh, Caleb was one uh, incredible character. He was ready to launch out at these giants. Bring them on, he said. This is my mountain. How dare they take the place that God gave. There are some wonderful verses in the Bible. Uh, James 1, verse 2 to 4 says, The trying of your faith worketh patience. So as trials come, it is working. It's doing a work. It's working patience. Why? To make us complete. Without that trial, you wouldn't be complete. You'll be stunted in your growth. You know, I don't know how many of you do weightlifting at a gym. Um, anyone here who likes to push push iron in the gym? 
Ah, yeah, there are few people here who like to push iron. Do you challenge yourself to higher standards? So you do the 40 kg, then you go to 60. That's about where I stop, but some of you probably go to 80 and 100. You push yourself. Why? Because as you keep, how did you get from 40 to 100? Because you, you didn't go from 40 to 100 in one shot. You went to 50, then you went to 60. You got your muscles used to it. You said, I'm going to keep doing this. Brother Danny here runs 50K. I don't know how he does it, but uh, I'm trying to stop him from doing it, but no success. But, but you keep pushing yourself because to make you complete. And Jesus says, the trials are not because God sits there and folds his arms and says, ha, 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 look at him, he's squirming again. No, he wants something better in your life. He wants something perfect, something complete. The incomplete must be complete. And that's what God wants to do in your life. Job 12 and verse 22, as Job went through his valley, he said this, he said, he discovereth deep things out of darkness. It's sometimes in darkness that you see that outline on that cloud. He discovereth deep things. Psalm 18 and verse 28, thou will enlighten my darkness. It's only God who will enlighten that darkness. And so we are encouraged that during these times to walk with our God, to know that there is a purpose behind it, that something, that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. And I love this next verse. It says this, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Who's preparing the table? God is preparing the table. You know, when you're going through tough times, you don't have time to be thinking about preparing tables. But God knows that when the journey is done, that you're going to celebrate. And he himself is crafting the menu for you to partake of. Isn't that an incredible thought? Thou preparest a table. You're preparing it, God. I'm walking through this valley. I'm struggling. God, I don't know why. There's darkness. There's heaviness. But God, you're preparing a table. You're preparing a table. And I want to eat of that table. I'm going to enjoy what you are preparing for me. It's a table of abundance. He's a lavish host. He holds nothing back. Everything he gives of his fullness have he received, the Bible says. Grace for grace. He provides all things that pertain to life and godliness. And as we come out of that valley, there is laid for us a table. We have conquered. We've come through. You're more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. And I like this little phrase, in the presence of my enemies. It's God pointing to you and saying, to the forces that rail against you, he'll be saying, 
Here's the testimony of a faithful child of God who gone through the valley and these forces tried to destroy your life, but you stuck with God and God brought you through. And as you're feasting, you're an example to the enemy that when you walk with God, you can never fail. That God himself has taken care of you and that you're now feasting of the best that God has for you. He anoints your head with oil. And in the Old Testament, this was a great sign of the blessing of God, that the oil was poured over your head so that it dripped down even your clothes and your beard and all kinds of things. And God says he anoints our head with oil. Now, oil is a picture, of course, of the Holy Spirit. And um, there is great healing that happens after the journey of darkness. The great blessing of God is poured upon you. The Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's a deeper knowledge of God that we have. And then your cup runs over. It's an overflowing cup that you being blessed can then bless others. Your cup runs over. You can go and say to somebody, look, I've been on this journey. I've come through it. God is faithful. God has turned up. I've feasted at his table and he has anointed my head with oil and my cup runs over. So a table, have you feasted at the table of the Lord? The richness of his table is amazing. And I pray that we would find time to feast at his table. And then lastly, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So another place we see is God's house. Telling us that there is a place to be in the presence of God, a longing to be in the presence of God all the time. It's a daily discovery of God's goodness, his greatness. And his love keeps us anchored by his side. Our soul is enraptured and delighted by God's presence. Psalm 27 verse 4, the psalmist says, Oh, I love to go into God's temple, to gaze upon his beauty and to inquire in his temple. It's a place of inquiry. It's a place of God. You know, you're so great. Show me more of what your greatness is about. It's an unbreakable connection with the living God. And you find that when you live like that, when you, uh, now, now uh, uh, dare I say that uh, when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, that we become the temples of the Holy Spirit. And so it's uh, making sure that your temple within you is communing with God all the time. That the temple is not sort of locked up uh, you know, for many people, the temple is locked up seven, six days a week and probably open for a few hours on a Sunday and then gets locked up again. And that's why in the picture, letter to the seven churches, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's written to believers. That uh, It's not written to unbelievers. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice, 
and opens the door. I will come in and stop with him and he with me. How many times we've heard God knocking and the door is fast shut. Someone said uh, that door has the knob on the inside. There's no knob on the outside. He's God, of course, and he can push, push into your life, but he won't. He will only come into places that you vacate for him. Is there a place at your table to invite him in? You hear him knocking? All your confusion tonight about everything that's going on in your life? Will you open that door and say, God, I need you. I need your presence. I need your wisdom. I need your courage. I need you to uplift me. I need to find that path of righteousness again. I've wandered away. I've, I've just gone. I've drifted. Lord, would you help me? Would you feed me with those tender green shoots again? Oh, when was the last time I've eaten from them? I've been feeding on some rubbish. Oh, how I long for those waters, those gentle streams that will refresh my soul. Restore me, Lord. Restore my soul. And when you live like that, there's a promise that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of your life. You know what reminds you of goodness and mercy? It's God. Not only is he in front, He's also behind you. And as you step through the gates of heaven, God's hot on your heels, saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I pray that, you know, as we live through life, you, you go through these various places you might encounter. That God will be your strength. He will truly be your shepherd, that you can say like the psalmist, the Lord is indeed my shepherd. I'm a sheep who needs help. And I will ask the shepherd to help me. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you are indeed our shepherd. And Lord, I pray for these dear folk as, um, Lord, I don't know what circumstance they've been in, but... Would you help them? Would they make the right call tonight to maybe undo certain things that they've been doing and to dwell in your presence and to ask for your paths of righteousness again? We pray this in the mighty and precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.